The Cottonwood Project presents Becoming the Plagiarist, written and read by B.T. Higgins. Three. No one had clubs or lessons today, which Mike felt very thankful for. He collapsed on the couch and didn't move more than necessary. His body ached. In his right fist, Mike held the bag of wooden coins. He fumed. How could a person do that? It was just so mean. After thirty minutes of this, Mike finally gave up. He went to the refrigerator and made himself two sandwiches, honey ham and cheddar cheese. He sat back down just as Tony knocked on the door. The tomb maker opened the door, kicked off his shoes, and sat down next to Mike. He was tall and filled most of the couch. No matter how many times Mike saw Tony walk into the room, it still shocked him. He was like the big friendly giant from that book, minus the dream-blowing trumpet. Hey, Tony, Mike said. Tony nodded and began eating one of the sandwiches. He took a bite. Oh, and then another. That's good. Mike ate his sandwich. Tony had finished his in about thirty seconds. He poked the bag of wooden coins, thinking there might be more food inside. Are those cookies? he said immediately, after his last swallow. Mike swallowed his anger and his bite of sandwich. Someone stole my walking stick. Cut it up. He handed the bag to Tony. The tomb maker took the bag in both hands and looked inside. Who? Tony said. I'm not positive, Mike began. Perez? Tony said. He picked a wooden coin from the bag and examined it. I kind of disrupted a couple of things for Zayden and Ricardo today, Mike said. Tony shifted on the couch as he looked up from the coins. So I think this was retribution, maybe a warning? Who's Ricardo? A new guy. He's glued to Zayden's shoulder most of the time. Seems like they already knew each other. They play soccer together. Mike didn't mention how he knew that. He's got more of a rough touch. He came at you? Tony asked. Not quite. It just seemed like he was used to solving things that way, Mike said. I'm sure Zayden will explain things to him. Right, Tony said. The CCA rules. No fighting or you're gone. I'm guessing Ricardo's parents had to wait a long time for a spot to open up the school. They won't want him messing that up. Maybe he got my spot, Tony said. How was your new school? Mike asked. The football team is really good. The classes are a little, uh, Tony shrugged, boring. Mike giggled. I accidentally signed up for weightlifting. You did what? Tony leaned back and laughed. I did, Mike said. I think is going to kill me. Are you going to transfer out of it? Tony asked, his fist over his mouth, eyes crinkled. Mr. King won't let me. He says it will be good for me, Mike said. Oh, I wish I had been there to see that. Tony laughed. Then he glanced at Mike. We could have worked out together. That would have been awesome, Tony said. Mike eyed Tony for a minute and then realized that Tony meant that in the truest way. Not like all the other guys had looked at him in the locker room, entertaining train wreck, but honestly. That would have been great, Mike said. He frowned. It's not the same without you. Tony nodded. Same, he said. He began setting the wooden coins flat onto the coffee table. Mike went into the kitchen and made Tony a second sandwich. When he returned, Tony had lined the coins up in rows, a little rectangle. 
You could make a cool little resin table out of these, Tony said. He looked up and accepted the sandwich. Thanks, I'm starving. They played video games for an hour until Tony's parents got home. Mike saw their car roll into the driveway next door. I gotta go, Tony said. But what do you think about this? He pointed at the arrangement of wooden coins. I don't know what a resin table is, Mike admitted. I was just gonna toss them. No, you can't do that, Tony said. You gotta confuse them, remember? Display it in your locker so everyone can see. Better yet, Tony snapped his fingers. It sounded like a firecracker. I've got an idea. Tony gathered up the wooden coins into the bag and smiled. Just leave it to me. Tony slipped into his shoes at the door and left. Mike watched him go. The bag of wooden coins looked very small in his meaty fist. Mike briefly wondered what Tony would do with them. He smiled and cleaned up the plates. Dad and Mom pulled into the driveway together. Mike wondered at the timing. When they walked up toward the house with bags of takeout, Mike shouted, Mom and Dad are home! They pushed the door open and set all the bags on the dining room table. Mike smelled a mix of Chinese and Mexican food. Dad shouted toward the ceiling, Video game time is over. Family time has begun. Mike powered down the console, stowed the controllers, and peeked into the bags on the table. From upstairs, Mike heard the slamming of a door and stampeding feet. That would be Jackson and Peter, Dad said under his breath. They stormed into the room and sat at the table with very wide eyes. Somehow they already had forks in their hands. Did you bring those with you? Mike pointed at their fists. They weren't listening. They leaned toward the food, as if they were waiting for the starting pistol to fire. Rachel came down quietly just behind them. She hugged Mom and Dad. I missed you, Mom. There was some desperation in her hug. Mike realized that he hadn't asked her about her first day on the drive home and hadn't said a word to her since. Dad pulled a chair from Mom, opposite to the twins, and sat down beside her. Mike sat at one end. Rachel knelt on the chair at the other end. Let's pray, Dad said. Mike reached out and took Dad's hand on his left and reached for Peter's on the right. Peter wouldn't unclasp his fork, so Mike just wrapped his hand over the top of Peter's. Everyone bowed their heads and closed their eyes. Once they were holding hands all around the table, Dad prayed. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us during our first day and keeping everyone safe. Thank you for our family and the food we are about to eat. Thank you for being a good father who cares about our lives, like the play at school today showed. You came from heaven to earth to rescue us in our brokenness. We know you are remaking us day by day to be more kind and loving and so on. Please bless our family time tonight. Dad paused. And, he drew out the word, Thank God for the grub, let's eat, everyone shouted together. Mike felt Peter's hand pull away before he could even open his eyes. By the time Mike looked over, the first bite was in his mouth. Mike blinked, feeling like he had missed ten seconds. They ate in silence for a few minutes. Mike ate a taco and some chicken chow mein. He realized that his mood had improved since he got home. Tony often had that effect on him when he was down. Always had. Who cares about the Gandalf walking stick? Mike had other walking sticks in the barrel by the door. Okay, Mom said. First day reports. I'll go first. My first day was hard. She glanced at Dad. And I missed all of you desperately. But I... Still remember how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide, so I just have to learn the new software 
and get used to the new office. Then I'll be okay. I missed you too, Mom, Rachel said. Who is next? Mom looked around the table. Thanks for going back, Dad said. He squeezed her hand and smiled at her. Mike, as the only child to know about their disagreement over the matter, guessed that Mom still wasn't happy about it. Thanks, Mom, Mike said. Mom smiled at Mike, then the other kids. Okay, I'll go next, Dad volunteered. First day back to school. It's always hectic, but there was no major problems. A couple of tech glitches that got worked out by the wizards downstairs. A lot of questions from parents, that kind of thing. I think this is going to be a good school year at CCA. There are wizards downstairs, Rachel said. Her face looked shocked. They laughed. The team that runs all the computers work in the sub-basement, Dad said. I call them wizards because it's like they have magical powers over computer problems. They're really just smart, Mom said. It's an expression. They seem so smart that it's like magic. I've never been down to the sub-basement. Mike suddenly realized. How do you get down there? You don't, Dad said. It's designed to be separate from the school. It has private entrances off school grounds, kind of like a bunker. I've only been down there a few times. It's filled with stacks of computer servers to run CCA online. That's weird, Jackson said, and spooky. Spooky? Dad looked at Jackson. How's it spooky? Peter answered for him. A whole bunker full of wizards working secretively below our feet? Jackson nodded as if this was exactly what he would have said. Dad shook his head, not willing to argue. Once the twins got an idea into their heads, it was impossible to dislodge. You're next, Dad pointed at Peter. Peter smiled. I had a great day in every way, nothing but sunshine, roses, and apple pie. Jackson smiled and said, Me too. Dad waited a minute, but they didn't seem eager to tell more. Bring your computers, Dad said. Jackson and Peter wilted slightly. They walked to their rooms to get their computers. May as well get yours too, Rachel, Mike. A minute later, the computers had been set among the boxes of takeout. Dad put his thumb on Jackson's screen. It instantly said, parental access granted, in Peter's voice. Peter? Dad said, you recorded your voice for Jackson's computer? Peter swelled his chest, and Jackson is on mine. It just felt right. Dad laughed. He spoke to Jackson's computer. Day summary video, please, two minutes. Of course, I have that already prepared, Jackson's computer said. The screen began to play a video of Jackson learning and talking. The computer narrated as little video clips and work samples popped up. Grades and assessments appeared on the side of the screen. Jackson squirmed in his seat as his recording struggled to explain the purpose and function of the liver. When it had finished, Dad said, Not a bad description of the liver. I don't like being spied on, Jackson said. I sound weird on video. Mom put her thumb on Peter's computer and they watched his day one summary video. They had a couple of basic classes together, but most of Jackson and Peter's experimental and concentration classes were different. Peter did not seem to mind the sound of his voice on the playback. He stood and bowed after the video. Rachel, Dad said, how did your first day of school go? I liked the music class a lot. The reading class and the soccer class were good, too. 
I didn't like the building class because I didn't understand anything. I didn't like the food class because I already know about healthy food. Recess is fun. Rachel thought for a moment and then nodded that she had finished. Mike smiled at Rachel. She smiled back. That's a good summary, Dad said. Do you want to watch your video? Rachel looked at her computer screen. There is a video in mine, too? Yes, Dad said. Just ask your computer to play the day summary video. Rachel said, play my video. Sure, said her computer. The default robotic voice was still active. Mike served himself some sweet and sour pork and nibbled while Rachel watched her day play out before her. She leaned in very close to the screen. When it was finished, she seemed satisfied with it. Rachel leaned back in her chair. Mike woke up Gran and asked her for his summary video. He slid the computer across the table. He lay in bed. The digital red numbers of his clock read 9.45. Mike stared at the ceiling. A car passed the house, casting its headlights across Mike's ceiling. The walls were filled with posters of places. The Great Wall of China, St. Basile's Cathedral in Red Square, the Great Barrier Reef, the Hubbard Glacier in Alaska, Mexico City, Hong Kong. For an instant, each one flashed across his retinas. The room fell dark again, except for the dull red glow of the clock. A tiny green spark rose in Mike's night vision, like a tiny sunrise. Mike watched it slowly cross in front of him. Then, from a different angle, another green spark pulsed. This larger one crossed more quickly. Mike frowned. Then a dozen sparks with five different colors began to rotate around his head. Mike's head was earth, and these lights circled like moons. They seemed to have no trouble passing through the pillow and mattress Mike lay on, because the same sparks appeared, crossed over his eyes, blinked out, and reappeared a few seconds later. Mike reached out and touched a larger blue spark. It passed through his hand without pause. He turned onto his side and closed his eyes, wishing the sparks would all just go away. Mike woke up the next morning in Zayden's memory. On the soccer field. What do we do now? asked Ricardo. Nearly everyone had left. Mike, in Zayden's memory, scanned the field for anyone who might be able to give them a ride. Don't know, Zayden said. He sat down against the fence. Is your dad coming back for us? Ricardo asked. I don't know, Zayden said. Your dad said there was a problem, so it was an emergency. How long are we going to be stuck here? Ricardo asked. He sounded nervous. Mike stared at him. Something will turn up, Zayden said. I've got a little money for food. We could walk to the store. I wish we could have gone with them. The game was over when my dad got the call. I heard it ring. Shut up, Ricardo, Zayden said softly. Mike knew he always spoke softer when he got annoyed. You know they couldn't do that. We're old enough, Ricardo said. Shut up, Zayden repeated. Finally, Ricardo fell silent. A chime sounded from Zayden's cell phone. He glanced at it. What's... Ricardo began. Zayden turned the screen to him. Your father told me to collect you at the soccer field. I will arrive in fifteen minutes, Ricardo read. He looked up at Zayden. Who's that from? The maid, Zayden said. The alarm clock blared. Mike slapped at it and sat up. He shook his head to clear the smell of grass and a fresh breeze. A maid? Mike said his voice sounded rough. He coughed and stretched. 
His muscles were stiff from weightlifting, but not as bad as he had expected. Mike stood up and groaned. Never mind, Mike said. It's bad. He limped to his chest of drawers and pulled on some clothes, jeans, and a black t-shirt. His right heel had a sharp pain. Mike discovered a blister where his sock had bunched on his heel. Great, Mike said. Just what I need. Mike began to hear loud bangs as doors opened and closed, a rush of water through the pipes and the walls. That would be Dad in the shower, a toilet flushing or both. Mumbled conversations through the walls told Mike that the twins were up. He opened his door and saw that the bathroom was occupied. Mike walked downstairs and ate some cereal for breakfast. As Mike passed the front door, he glanced at his cane barrel. His gut tightened at the loss of his favorite walking stick. He decided he would use a black thin one with a round ball at the top. It was made of aluminum tubing. The ball was a comfortable size for him to grip in his hand. Mike put a band-aid on his blister so it wouldn't rub. Soon the volume of the house reached shouting levels again, as everyone tried to shower and get ready in the same bathroom. Mike shouldered his pack, picked his black walking stick out of the barrel, and opened the door. Your ride to school is leaving in three minutes, he shouted, and stepped outside. Mike stepped gingerly down the front steps. Hey, Mike, Tony shouted from his driveway. Mike glanced over and smiled. Tony towered over the hedgerow. Morning, Mike waved and limped over. I finished it, Tony said. Mike saw he held something flat in the same grocery bag that had held the wooden coins. Finished what? Mike asked. Tony pulled the glassy board out of the plastic bag. The wooden coins were embedded under the surface, arranged in a spiral from largest on the outside to smallest at the center. The wood coins were stained with different colors now. Their grain looked very nice inside the board. What is it? Mike asked. He took the board and stroked its smooth surface. It was not made of glass, but plastic. Mike saw that many other little objects had been placed inside the board on the side of the wooden coins. I made a game board of it, Tony burst out. Mike smiled at his enthusiasm. Awesome, Mike stroked it again. It felt so smooth. He turned it over and saw a sheet of paper embedded in the underside. It's really beautiful. Are these the directions? I named it Coins, Tony said. He pulled a pouch of pennies from the grocery bag. They rattled in his hand. You use pennies for pieces and dimes for markers. You did this all last night? Mike said, impressed. I got up early to finish, Tony said. What do you think? It's really good, Mike said. Want to play after school? Sure, Tony said. After practice. Then he took the board and pointed at the paper on the underside. Did you see? He pointed at the bottom of the page. Mike read, Created by Tony Reese and Mike Wilson, with special inspiration provided by Zayden Perez? Mike looked up in confusion. You see? Tony said, If you make a special VR class where you show how to play this game and give out the game board design, you get kids playing it? Then everyone is going to ask Zayden what he did to provide special inspiration. He'll have to lie. He can't say he stole your walking stick and cut it up, now can he? It's the perfect response, Tony said. Mike rubbed his hand on the board. It feels so cool. How did you even think this up?
Tony waved the question away. That part was easy, he said. Tony packed the board and pouch of coins back into the grocery bag. He smiled. You've got to make the video today. Okay, Mike said. He smiled. Thanks. Tony laughed and turned. I gotta go. See you after school, Mike said. While he waited for the twins and Rachel, Mike read the directions for the game. The rules were simple and clear. The game looked like a strategy game. Was it a good response to Zayden? Would Zayden get the subtle message? Mike had his doubts that anyone would even see his special VR class. Any student could post special learning classes, but there were lots of them. Kids only saw them if their computers pushed them out to their feeds. It has Tony's name on it, though. That might bring a little buzz, Mike considered. Rachel ran out to the car, pigtails trailing behind. Her backpack bounced on her shoulders. Mike looked back at the board. Everyone knew Tony. He was hard to miss. Everyone knew that he transferred schools because most of their championship football team had graduated last year. If Tony wanted to get noticed by college recruiters, he had to be on a bigger team. It was rare for anyone to transfer out of CCA, and even more so for them to publish VR classes after they left. Mom pushed Jackson and Peter out the door. The twins trudged to the van. Mike waved at his mom and backed onto the road. The lady with the huge dog opened her front door just as Mike drove past. In the moment before the Great Dane took off, Mike glanced a swirl of purple sparks around her head. Then her eyes widened in panic, and the dog began dragging her across her lawn. It's like clockwork, Mike said. The red sports car did not show up at the freeway on-ramp. Mike merged into traffic. Three minutes later, the sports car burned across two lanes to pass Mike, going a hundred miles an hour. Mike shook his head as the minivan jolted sideways in the lane. Almost like clockwork, Mike muttered. Rachel shouted, You don't know how a clock works? Mike glanced in the rearview mirror at Rachel. That's not what I said. Oh, Rachel said, because you should already know that you're in high school. Mike parked and opened the door for Rachel and the twins. They quickly ran into the throng of kids. Mike locked the car and made his way to a study desk in Building 3. He pulled Gran from his pack and put her on the wall-mounted charger. Gran, Mike said. Good morning, Mike, Gran said. You have first period in 15 minutes. Experimental Introduction to Iterative Design, Henry Jacks, Room 64A. Thank you, Mike began. Wait, I've never had a class in Building 6 before. Mike imagined another class like painting and cringed. What is iterative design? Then he caught himself. Never mind that right now. Gran, I need to record a special VR class. It'll be short. Sure, I'm ready when you are, Gran said. A red indicator light blinked. Mike pulled the grocery bag out and set it on the desk. I need you to scan the game board and attach it under class materials. Sure, Gran said. Mike lifted the board and held it still for several seconds. Then he flipped the board and did the same for the back. Hello, CCA. My name is Mike. I want to share a new game with you. My friend Tony Reese and I designed it. Well, just Tony, but he can't post a VR since he transferred. So I'm doing it. I think you will enjoy it. It's called Coins. He read the directions. Created by Tony Reese and Mike Wilson with special inspiration provided by Zayden Perez. 
Mike smiled slightly and explained how to play the game. Then he set up the board and demonstrated a few rounds. It occurred to Mike in the middle of the explanation that he should really have posted this after he played the game. After Mike finished, Grand said, I can make this into an interactive digital game if you wish. That would be great, Mike said. Thanks. Grand said, It may take a few minutes, but I'll get right on it. In the meantime, you need to hurry to room 64A. Right, Mike stood and rushed to class. Henry Jacks did not look like a teacher. His jeans, t-shirt, and baseball hat made him look more like a guy going camping than a billionaire. Mike sat at a table and took Gran from his bag. He looked around, three rows of tables, and beyond that, the room was cluttered with row upon row of machines, tools, and gadgets that Mike did not recognize. He had a sinking feeling. This was not the class for him. How did he end up in so many bad classes this semester? Weightlifting, painting, and now this class? Iterative design. Whatever that meant. Why couldn't they just let him stick with his concentration? He liked languages. Why did he need experimentals? Sarah, Tiffany, and three other girls took over his table. Mike found himself surrounded. They were acting more giggly and self-conscious than normal. Mike glanced at Sarah. Hi, Sarah, Mike said. Oh, hello, Mike. Sarah didn't look at him. She looked right past his right ear. Mike turned slowly and saw Henry Jacks walking through the workstations. Why am I not surprised? Mike whispered. The girls leaned and began talking all at once. Mike looked from girl to girl and wondered if they even knew he was there. He considered moving, but by that time the class began. Hello, my name is Henry Jacks, Mr. Jacks said. The students felt quiet at all the tables. This class is called iterative design, mostly because that is what we will do. We will learn how to design stuff, make that stuff, and then remake it better. I brought all the tools you will need. This is my workshop. When I'm designing a smartphone, I use iterative design to make them better before I sell them. When I started my first business, I used these steps to build my headphones. Before that, I made all kinds of stuff in college. I studied industrial robotics in college. Back in high school, I made things in woodshop. Before that, I think I was making stuff in my parents' garage. In this class, I want you to learn that making things for work or pleasure is within reach for everyone. Sarah sighed. Mike glanced at her and wondered if she'd heard anything after, Hello, my name is Henry Jacks. He rolled his eyes. Mr. Jacks clapped his hands. Okay, let's get started. He walked to a table and picked up a tablet computer identical to Mike's. Computer's out. Find this class in your schedules and open file ID 11. Mike heard faint taps and swipes all around him. He found his schedule, tapped iterative design, but there were no files to select. He glanced at Sarah's computer. She already had ID 11 open. Gran, find ID 11, Mike said quietly. I am receiving a permission error, Gran said. Her normal volume felt very loud. Mike tilted his head. He had never seen that error before. Henry Jack said, a permission error? That would be my fault. Mike looked up. Henry Jacks strode over and leaned close to Mike's shoulder. I must have missed your name when I set up the class. Mike noticed the sparks rotating around Henry Jacks's head. They had a variety of sizes and colors, but looked ordinary. 
Jax thumbed in his approval sequence. Suddenly, Mike felt weird. A dryness spread across the roof of his mouth. He felt thirsty, all at once, like he hadn't had a drop all day. Mike tried to swallow, but found his tongue felt like sandpaper. He licked his lip. He leaned back in his chair. Then, a large, jewel-sized blue spark crested the bill of Henry Jax's baseball hat. Mike noticed it immediately, because it moves extremely slow for a brain spark, like a tiny planet in orbit. It curved around the hat, and then, as if its gravity disappeared, the blue jewel made a beeline toward Mike's mouth. There wasn't time to move. And why should he? The sparks he saw around people's heads weren't physical things. They pass right through objects, or they bounced off each other, but not today. Mike coughed. He doubled over and hacked several times. Something bounced around in his throat and then dropped on his tongue. His eyes watered. Mike looked up. Everyone stared at him. You okay? Henry Jacks put a hand on his shoulder. Mike nodded, but he felt like that was a lie. Something solid had landed in his mouth. His first instinct was to spit it out. Mr. Jacks was right in front of him, so he couldn't. Mike didn't think that was a good idea. He waited. Henry Jacks finished tapping on Mike's computer. You're all set now, he said, and he stepped away. The class looked away, their gaze following Henry Jacks. Mike prepared to spit it out, but saw Tiffany glance over at him. She looked concerned. You okay, Mike? She mouthed. I'm fine, Mike whispered. Tiffany frowned. Your lips look blue. She elbowed Sarah and gestured at Mike. Oh. Sarah said, you don't look right. I'm fine, Mike said. He smiled reassuringly. They both cringed slightly. Your teeth and gums, too. Tiffany pointed, all blue. Mike moved the object into his cheek. It's nothing. Sarah saw the bulge in his cheek and nodded. Oh, I get it. You aren't supposed to have candy in class. She winked and looked away. Tiffany turned toward Mr. Jacks, too. While Mike was thankful they had assumed he was just sneaking candy, the very real object in his cheek was turning his mouth blue. He dug his finger into his mouth, but discovered that the object had dissolved into powder. The dryness ended as fast as it had come, and the last particles of the powder disappeared completely. Mike swallowed in shock. Then a moment of panic. What was he doing? He should have spit it out, whatever it was. Mike chided himself. Whatever it was, it was fully in him now. Mike shivered at the thought. The thing had no taste to speak of, but the way it had dissolved gave Mike a feeling of dread. He opened up a camera on his computer and looked closely at his lips. They were indeed blue, the same color as the spark. He wiped them with his sleeve, but that did nothing. When he checked his teeth, they looked stained at first. They did not stay that way long. Under his gaze, the blue faded away. Twenty seconds later, his lips returned to normal as well. Mike waited to feel sick, but all he felt was hungry, very hungry. What was going on? He glanced around and saw everyone else drawing on their computers. He pulled a digital pen from his bag and whispered, Gran, what am I supposed to be doing? In a rare piece of luck, Gran did not reply out loud. A sentence scrolled across his screen. One, write down ten objects, tools, or gadgets made of cloth, wood, metal, or plastic from your home that you use regularly. 
2. Sketch 5 of them. Include details of size, shape, and material. Mike frowned. Not more drawing, he said under his breath. He listed fork, video game controller, toothbrush, walking stick, book, computer, shoe, microwave oven, knife, phone. He sketched a line with a ball at the top because it was so simple. It was barely drawing. He labeled it. Mike scanned the list. Toothbrush. Even he could draw that. One line with short, stubby lines on one end for bristles. Plastic. Eight inches. That's good enough, Henry Jacks called out. He scanned through a list. The most common answer is a phone, he laughed. That might be partly my fault. Everyone knew that Henry Jacks made his fortune designing smartphones. Only a year ago, he'd sold his company to go back into designing and making instead of running a company. Mike remembered everyone talking about it when he built a mansion on the ridge overlooking the lake. Everything on your list had to be thought up, designed, and built by someone. A mind to imagine something truly unique is rare, but everything on your list was built on the work of someone else, and that is a skill that everyone has. For example, he pointed at his list, a hairbrush. Maybe a hairbrush is designed in a way that doesn't work well for your hair type. So you notice the problem. You can either buy a different one or make a better one. The lady that makes a better brush not only fixes her problem, but she also fixes the same problem for other people by selling her brush. Henry Jacks looked around the room. His voice remained calm, but his hands gesticulated as he spoke. He paused. And it doesn't even have to be a major problem. Maybe the brush is just a boring color or design. So make them with cool designs and colors. People will enjoy them. Today, each of you will choose one thing to build during this semester. I will show you how to design it, make a prototype, and then remake it better and better. When it is finished, you can sell your product to students around the school for bags of chips. By the end of the term, you will know how to use some of these machines, and you will understand the process for creating anything. Mike had to admit that it sounded better than painting. He could get through a semester making a lot of toothbrushes. Spend the rest of the class choosing one thing to work on, even if it's not on your list now. You will work on it all semester, so choose wisely. Just so you know, I may say no if something requires tools that I don't have or can't get. Henry Jacks turned away and checked on a machine that seemed to be pulling a plastic lattice out of a pool of green liquid. Mike looked at his list and figured a walking stick would be best. He used it all the time and already had a collection. Why not make one to replace the one Zayden had cut up? Mike held the digital pen over Grand's screen, but had no idea how to design a walking stick. In the end, he just drew a stretched rectangle and wrote down, A walking stick, made of wood. A walking stick, Henry Jacks said. Mike looked up. Mr. Jacks had circled back to his table. He tapped his computer. Why a walking stick, Mike? Henry sat down and noticed Mike's black walking stick leaning against the table. Oh, you already have one. He looked at Mike with a question on his face. Mike pointed to his right foot. I can walk without it, but I've always used one. Since I learned to walk, I guess. That makes good sense. Have you thought of how you might improve on this one? Henry Jacks picked up his walking stick and examined it from all angles. 
He leaned it back against the table. Mike frowned. All I have is, is this. He lifted Gran for Mr. Jacks to see. Wood, uh-huh, Henry Jacks said. Well, that's a start. He smiled as Mrs. Cafferty had done in painting class. Mike slumped inside. He hated experimentals. I think you can do better, Mr. Jacks said. Start with an image search for walking stick designs. See if you can find something that looks good. Mike nodded. Henry Jacks stood and said, I think you could do some really interesting things with a walking stick. He checked his computer. Sarah? Sarah blushed and said something unintelligible. Mike shook his head. Gran, can you image search walking sticks? Mike said. I have found a large variety, Gran said, her screen filled with images. Next, Mike had two basics, chemistry with Mrs. Reed and algebra 2 with Mr. Brooks. Mike worked with Gran in a study nook of Building 3 on languages. He translated several more articles about the Revolutionary War. Mike wondered if he would be in another Nerf gun battle on Wednesday. Would Zayden manage to get everyone to shoot him again? Or would the walking stick be enough payback for Zayden? No matter how he tried to distract himself, the thought of the blue spark nearly choking him kept returning to his mind. What had fallen into his mouth? And how? He kept feeling that moment of panic, something blocking his airway, surprise and fear with coughing. Over and over, it stabbed back to the front of his mind. He had never choked before, not on a butterscotch hard candy like Jackson had once, not on a piece of steak like Rachel. Wait, no, Mike remembered one other time. A year ago, he had nearly choked on something while taking a driver's safety class with Mr. Clark, but that time had been a near miss, a half cough and then a swallow. The thing had appeared in the back of his throat, just like today. It made no sense at all. He tried to focus on his Russian translation. Did someone throw something into his mouth? Mr. Jacks, maybe. How could anyone do that? Mike felt certain he would have seen it happen. He had been watching the blue spark orbiting Henry Jacks's head, then choking. Mike didn't think his mouth was even open. It made no sense. You seem to be having trouble with this phrase, Grand said, or you are distracted. Sorry, Mike said. Mike filled in the translation. Though the colonials lost the battle, they inflicted significant casualties on the British. That choking thing, I can't shake it. Your lips turn blue, which often indicates a lack of oxygen. Do you want me to make an appointment with a school nurse? No, I'm okay now. The blue was a stain from the thing I choked on. It didn't last that long. I'm fine. Perhaps you should avoid candies of this type in the future. It is against school rules, Grant said. I didn't, Mike started. He hesitated and gave up and said, Good idea. Would you like to talk to someone in Russia? Gran asked. Sure, Mike said. That would be fine. Thanks for listening. You can find BT Higgins at bthiggins.com or the email contact bthigginsbooks at outlook.com.